what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. This is your NBA Futures Friday episode. We'll give you some NBA Futures bet, and we're going to do it this week with two of my favorite people at Action. We're going to go with Jim Turvey. You can find him on Twitter at TurveyBets and in the Action Network app. Jim, how you doing? Doing great. How about yourself, Matt? I'm hanging in there and joining us. Also, though he's a little under the weather, he's going to brave that uh, the illness to go ahead and be with us is Joe Delera. You can find him breaking down props every single day on Action Network. Joe, how are you? Call this my flu game, Matt. We're doing okay. <laughs> going to power through. I'll try and be your Pippin and hold you up as we get through <laughs> this one. Uh, futures Friday. We're going to do this one pretty easy today. We're just going to go around the table and give one futures bet that we want. We're going to make right now. I thought it'd just be a good idea. Just to, like. What's a futures bet that right now has value in the market? Next week, I think we're going to probably turn our attention back to the MVP race. But for right now, I want to just go ahead and go around the table and talk a little bit about this. Um, and because I have Joe on, I went ahead and I'm going to go ahead and start here. By the way, reminder, everything that we talk about in the end today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. You get up the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. All of our podcasts are on there. All of our live shows are on there. Green Dot Daily, which that's your daily betting agenda, is on there. Um, so much great stuff getting you set. You got big bets on campus, getting you set for the college football championship, NFL playoffs over at the Action Network podcast. So much cool stuff. Make sure to check it out. I've got five columns that are up in the Action Network app this week. Five. I have written a ton of stuff. I have an Intel column that breaks down the latest trade rumors I've heard around the league, uh, including some noise about the Milwaukee Bucks and, and how the situation there may not be all that great, which is not what I want to hear as somebody that has a lot on their futures. Uh, I've got a piece up about win profiles with some bets you can make right now, including a bet on the Milwaukee Bucks and their regular season performance. Um, I've got a piece up about um, my power ratings, and I've got a piece coming out about the Eastern and Western Conference futures. So make sure to check out all of that in the Action Network app, as well as Jim and Joe's stuff on the daily. All right, let's start here. Joe, this goddamn Pacers team will not die. They just will not die. And my my reason I didn't like Tyrese Halliburton to win most improved player was I was like, they're going to tank. This team is awful. This team is horrible. This team is no good. Yeah. And yet, as we enter 2023, I have the unfortunate <clears throat> realization that when I look at my power ratings, I have Indiana 15th. They're currently in the seventh spot in the Eastern Conference. And really, if we're going to look at this, my problem is that the Thunder are in a slow downward spiral. And I know, not know, I feel very confident, <laughs> not only based on my intuition, but conversations that I don't think the Thunder are going to, like, the Thunder are not going to be like, we're going to go trade for Joe Harris to try and make the playoffs this year. That's yeah. not a thing that they will do. Um. And then Laurie Markkinen and the Jazz, I think, are in a similar position where the Jazz are more likely to offload Markkinen in an effort to get worse 
to go ahead and slowly position for, for position. They can't really get to where they want to go to, but if they just try and improve draft stock to get top 10, I don't know if marketing goes somewhere where he's going to have the role that he is. Yep. And so if it's not going to be Shea and it's not going to be marketing and there's one other name I'll ask about my future Friday this week is fucking Tyrese Halliburton when most improved Let's go. player plus 360. I hate you so much. <laughs> this is, I told you this is my favorite one. Was it 18 to one preseason? But yes. I mean, yes, he. Ju- I actually just looked on dunks and threes. Uh, Tyrese just passed SGA and EPM too on the season. So I think that that's notable. So I obviously like this play, and uh, I think you're right. Like with the way the East is kind of shaking out, it look like unless they're unless the Pacers suddenly decide to start selling guys like Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, it doesn't really look like they're going to. Um, and even if they did, honestly, the way the East is it's still likely that they could be in the top 10, at least in the play-in. Yeah, and if it gets there, I just think that mo- – I mean, the problem is just, like, the the Shea numbers are so good. They are. Like, they the are. The Shea numbers but are so good. I just think that, like, with Shea, it's like you're scoring on, like, a team that is – it's like a bad team, and the team isn't good. Like, they're not winning. And then, like, they're just not even winning when he's having these tremendous performances. Like, when Halliburton's playing, he's, like, winning in the clutch. He's making his teammates better. He's getting – he's, like he's, – I think he's still leading the league in assists, even though he's had a little bit of a downturn. But he's averaging 20-10 in, like, four. So, on, like, elite efficiency. So, it's, it's kind of tough to get around. And he's pretty exciting. He's making everybody else better. Just to hop in real quick, just with the the Shea versus Tyrese, the other thing is the number you're getting. The Shea, you're getting minus a heavy number – Tyrese, you're getting plus 360. So even if you were to put them, you know, oh, I, I put Shea a little ahead of Tyrese. It's like, well, yeah, but when you put in the odds you have to to, to cover to yeah. get to each guy, it starts to look even even better for Tyrese. Yeah, last 15 games, Halliburton is plus 3.3 in net rating. Ben Matherin keeps putting in good minutes. He's plus 8.7. Yeah. They're winning those minutes flat out. Miles Turner's plus 4.6. Um you know, I still think it's possible that the 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 bottom could drop out on this team. Like I don't I still, I watch them and don't understand how they're winning games. Like I've been betting them pretty consistently. <laughs> like I've, I was on them versus the Sixers. I had them both spread and money line. Um, there's value on like the market is not cut up to the fact that the Pacers are, this is what's weird. The market is not cut up to the fact that the Pacers are actually pretty good or not bad is a better yeah. way to say it. Um, and then in addition to that, they haven't, the market hasn't caught up really on, on Halliburton either. Um, given Shea's numbers and their and its performance, I don't really under like. I don't think that the Shea stuff is based off of any sort of like very smart modeling. I think it's mostly no. just like, oh, look at Shea's numbers and he's a well known note. Now, I think Shea's chances of making an All Star may be better than than Tyrese's. Like, yeah, I mean the way the voting just came out today. I mean Kyrie Irving's leading the East All Star, so people should go out and vote and fix that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's just like, I agree with you, just because of the like the star power, or so to speak, in the East for the guards. But at the same time, I think Halliburton's outperformed a lot of those guards. But it's just you know who's it, he's going to need a little bit of traction, I think, with the coaches to say like yeah, or the players are like yeah, like he's that dude. Uh, Jim, I have one more name. Somebody asked me about it on Twitter, and I want to bring it up to you. It's Demonis Sabonis. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so Demonis <clears throat> is gonna be a, is is almost definitely gonna be an All Star. You can't have the Kings in the playoffs essentially and not have a like a representative. And given how he's played, Fox is the guy that always kind of gets that push there. 
but Sabonis has really kind of been recognized as the guy that makes them go. What's crazy is like, I can't get him at FanDuel. I can't get him for MIP. Like he's not on the board yet. Um, what are your thoughts on Sabonis in that situation? If the, if basically there's a most improved player award for, Hey, congrats on getting the Kings to not be terrible. Well, it's really funny because um, if we if we made it around here, I was actually going to bring up the the one name that pops for me is Fox, and I do think that the Kings have a lot of staying power. Um, I and I think both of those guys deserve a lot of credit. And it's interesting um, that that you can't even get Sabonis right now because the numbers the numbers he's put up lately, it's, he's only getting better and better as the season's going along. Um, his rebound numbers are getting wild. He I, last I checked, he might be. Is he he's leading, leading the league in re- yeah, I think he's leading the league in yeah. rebounds right now. He's putting up. I think he's leading the team in assists. It's like one and one A with Fox. So they're both uh, right up there for assists per game, and and he's you know he holds down that that front court. I I, I really do like almost like a double play of these guys of because I do think the Kings have more, a lot more staying power than the Pacers. Um, I think the Pacers, like Joe said, you know they they could linger around the ten, but I I don't see them being in the top eight by the end of the season. Where's the Kings? The Kings are leading, I, the, Kings are leading the, I could, the division. I could see yeah. them being top six. I could see them not even needing that plan. They they have a lot of staying power to me if they if they stay healthy. And those two guys, I you know, all you need is one kind of narrative moment to kind of get your name in there and then and then just just maintain the stats that you had because it is such, you know, these these rewards do kind of center around narratives because all the stats people putting up this year are you know, video game stats. So yeah. everyone has the stats to do it. So it's, you need a little bit of that narrative push. If the Kings are, you know, clinch that, that first playoff spot in forever, that's a perfect narrative moment for one of those guys to really make a leap in the, in the conversation. The only Sabonis worry is, might be splitting the vote. Sabonis is 19, 12 and seven on 62, 42 splits. <laughs> I just, <Wild. laughs> my only concern with Sabonis is I think his efficiency may, might've gotten a little bit better this year versus last year and like even prior seasons, but like Sabonis has been this dude. He's just been yeah. on the Pacers. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, I think it's tough. Yeah. Like when you look at his yeah. stats, like the only thing that's most improved, I think is like our appreciation of him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I also, that, that's one of the things I think is kind of interesting though, with like Tyrese Halliburton where it's like, Everyone knew Ty. This is where I get annoyed because it's like everyone knew Tyrese Halliburton was good. Yeah, and he had almost these stats with the Pacers after he got traded there, and he got to play more. And then like, yeah, like Shea Gillers Alexander. It's like most play improved player. Why he didn't sit out half the year? Like, it's a weird. Yeah, it's a a weird weird award. award. Like it really, it really should be based more off of like it should be more given to guys that were. In the fringe league. or really low and really struggling yeah. and like made the leap like bowl yeah. bowl should absolutely be like a serious yeah. candidate this season given yeah but as always we talk about what's going to happen and not what should happen <laughs> because that's how the market works jim let's go to yours so you've got yeah. a best bet division bet for us yeah it ties in really well with some of your stuff that you've had um on action this week actually um it's a Cavs division bet um you can still get that at plus 195 at FanDuel right now if you shop around you might even be able to get over 200 100 220 ish um they're only a half game behind the bucks right now and the two teams are kind of headed in different directions um the bucks as you have pointed out there's some weird vibes around there um even if you're not a vibes person um they kind of just seem to be focused a little more on setting up their team to be full strength come postseason which makes sense they've been there a lot of times they know 
they don't need a top, a top seed to to get to the finals. Cleveland, you know, they, they made their their a, put, a little bit of push last year, but this is kind of their first season with their with Donovan Mitchell with this full unit, fully healthy. They're going to want to push, push, push. Um, the Bucks did take the first two games of the season series, but those are both in Milwaukee. Cleveland took game three at home and they got game four at home. So if they can get a split there, suddenly that's a true a true half game behind that they are. Um, net rating, Cavs are just a lot better than the Bucks right now. Um, if you go on on uh, NBA reference, they project out the rest of the season. They have the Cavs as 70% to win the division. I would not go that high, but with a plus 195, you know, that's implied like 34%. I think it's it's it should be much closer to something around 45. Um, I think you know, we think of the Bucks as the the central team, and they have been for, for so long, and they don't lose divisional games. This Bucks team, at least in the regular season, doesn't look to have that same invincibility that they've had in seasons fast. And this Cavs team looks really legitimate, and and I think I think there's a lot of value on that division bet right now. I can't tell whether the value on the Bucks is at its lowest or its highest. I can't, <laughs> and I feel like it's one or the other. It's either this team is what it's been telling us that it is over the first 41 games. And they're extremely overpriced in the market. And let's be clear on this. Like the dynamic here is not about Cleveland. It's about like, this is all about what the market thinks of Milwaukee. The market is basically like, yeah, no, they're 24th in offense. Get it. Yep. Nope. They're bottom five and half court offense. Understand. Nope. Yep. Don't care. They have Giannis. They win this division every single year. Um, they're going to win it again. And like, there's a lot of context that you can kind of build around this to kind of get into a space where you can feel like maybe that's accurate um, in, in terms of, is the offense going to be this bad all year? Whether that just means that guys start hitting shots or they make a trade, which I think is very likely. I just think that they're going to make a deal. I think that they know Giannis is putting out those video game numbers that everyone has seen. The comments about from him about it are not thrilled. This is not what Giannis wants to do in the regular season. Giannis doesn't want to play 43 minutes and put up a 40-20-10. That's not what he wants to do. Like two, three years ago, he was putting up 40-20-10 per 36, but he was only playing 28 minutes because they would just stomp teams and he wouldn't have to do that. That's not where they are right now. Uh, they've just had enough attrition that, again, I just, I, I, I've said this every time I read about the Bucks. I'll say it again. That Ibaka trade was a goddamn disaster. Bad. I have no idea what the thought process was there. I don't care if you're like, well, we needed a body for Embiid. Any other body. <laughs> Roll out Pat Connaughton and make him like foul Embiid. That's fine. You need wings. Like you need wings and you need shooters and they do not have them. So I, re I reported this week that they were, one of the, they, they were close on that deal uh, for Jay Crowder. The Rockets wanted more draft compensation. A couple of people I talked to felt like there's still a strong possibility that Jay Crowder ends up in Milwaukee. That's a, that's a natural fit. It's one of the few, like they're one of the few teams that would value Crowder as much as, and be willing to take a flyer on him without, with being like, yeah, no, we'll see about the, about resigning about an extension. One, what, as you talk about trades, one, one that uh, popped up today is if Bogdan Bogdanovich yeah. is suddenly on the move, I, Cleveland was one of the teams that they're going to, they're a little strapped for assets right now, but I almost can't imagine a better fit. Uh, if he, if he takes that, that three spot in the starting lineup, bumps Levert back to six man, you got Wade Windler on there. I, I don't know if they have the assets to get done, but to me, that elevates the ceiling on that team even higher on the team that I'm pretty high on to start with. Yeah, actually, was talking about, our Slack was talking about that. My my only issue there is you mentioned it. so there's there's <laughs> the problem with that trade is not about actually what the Cavs have to offer. It's what they do not have to offer. And what I mean by that 
is that if you're a team like Atlanta and you're dealing with Cleveland, your starting conversation is, I want Evan Mobley. And they're like, no, get out of here. <laughs> and then you're like, well, I want Jared Allen. And they're like, no, get out of here. And they're like, well, we want Darius Garland. And they're like, no, get out of here. And then Atlanta's like, you're not giving us anything. Like, you have all these assets and you're not giving us anything for this piece that you want? No, we're going somewhere else. Like, Cleveland can't give, like, they can't give any of the, the, the top four guys. And that creates an imbalance. It often, th- those, and that sounds crazy because you're like, but just get the best value for the guy. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to live in a world where it, where GMs just got the best value for the guy. The politics <laughs> are a lot more complicated there. Yeah. You don't want to look like you lost the trade. A couple of things more on this. Milwaukee actually has the least amount of VORP lost to injuries this season. And that's because like they, like a lot of it's because Middleton's been bad, right? Like they, they miss Middleton and he's been horrible when he's played. Um, they're likely to get better. The Cavs, I will say, are not either. Like they're very middle of the pack in terms of injuries. I wouldn't say that they've had bad injury luck. Garland's missed time. Um, Mobley's missed time. Allen's missed a little bit of time. Like they've had normal amounts of guys missing time, but nothing, nothing major here. The only ones that have really been absent are Ricky Rubio, who they're getting back. And then um, I actually think Dean Wade because he was shooting like 50% from three was yeah. actually an absence. Uh, it's an interesting idea to to bet them for the division. Um, I know that, you know, Brandon Anderson was all over this in preseason. A lot of Brandon's preseason bets are looking awesome right now. Joe, what do you think about a Cavs division bet? My only concern with this is that like dunks and threes to gives out the strength of schedule rankings yeah. and Cleveland's bottom five. So I am a little concerned, like in terms of like where they're going to, who they're going to have to play. And I think, did they already lose the tiebreaker to Milwaukee or is it like already at least a split? Um, that's best they can do is a split. Yeah. I think the best they can do is a split. So you're already looking at a situation where they have to at least basically win one more game than Milwaukee to win the division. Um, so that is my, that is definitely a concern. And honestly, like the Bucks defense has been really, really good. So you figure there has to be a little bit more offensive regression to what we're like accustomed to. Like these guys are the same. The personnel is the same. Middleton obviously is dealing with some of his, you know, is dealing with a variety of different injuries, but you would imagine that Milwaukee gets better on offense where like, kind of like what you were alluding to, Matt, I don't know what Cleveland does to improve. Not that they necessarily have to, but I'm not sure what they do to make that improvement. Uh, final note on this would be a positive residual. Uh, Cleveland's straight the schedule remaining is not necessarily brutal. They got a lot of rest advantage games, not a lot of rest disadvantage games, and their opponent's schedule is not bad. But this is one to keep in mind. It's a 24-19 away to home split. So they're going to be on the road a lot through the back half of the season. Uh, I'm not there yet, but I do think I will say, and I'm going to talk about this probably next week on the pod, I'm approaching looking at the Cavs to win the Eastern Conference. I'm kind of wondering if they're if they're more dangerous than the market is allowing for. Currently, ten to one, yeah, Fanduel. But I got to work through some of the stuff on it over the weekend. Joe, what's your best bet for Futures Friday? So it's a little bit of a combo play, and I think it depends number one on whether or not you have any positions preseason on these teams. But right now, I want to fade the Boston Celtics in the Atlantic Division. And when I'm looking at this, I think that you can bet on either or both of the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets to win the division. Uh, You can get the Nets around plus 240, and you can get the Sixers as high as, you know, like 14 to 1. So when you look at these two things, if you blend those and you kind of distribute your bet properly, you can get either of those teams to win the division at about plus 155 to win this division. So you're basically betting against the Celtics, the Knicks, and the Raptors. 
uh, and you're saying I'll take I'll ride with the Nets or the Sixers. Part of why I like this is when we look at adjusted net rating, Boston's been kind of coming down a bit, coming down down to earth a little bit. And uh, they're first still, they're plus 5.2, but Brooklyn is plus 4.1, which is fourth, and the Sixers are plus 3.2, which is sixth. And uh, I think this is a great spot where you can really buy onto either of these teams as they're kind of getting healthier, kind of getting into a groove, and they're only one and two games behind the uh, Boston Celtics, respectively, in the loss column. Yeah, so after the... uh... Celtics got housed by the Oklahoma City Thunder without Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, I, I in my power ratings this week, I had Nets one, but the gap between them and Celtics were close. That's obviously widened after that. Like you, you get housed by hundred, putting up one hundred and fifty, and yeah. that's going to bring your overall. Not great. Yeah, it's a little skewed. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like right now, I I'll tell you, I have Nets one, and then a point and a half gap in my power ratings, uh, and then there's Boston, and then I have. And then uh, the the Sixers now are right there, like yeah. it's it it's close. And they got Maxi so, back now, so yeah. Um, and so like the, the the gap between those three is really close. You know, the we, we talked, I talked the entire month of December about the Celtics are going to regress, like it's going to happen. And we talked about how like you know Brandon had a very we we had a whole segment on about how Jason Tatum should not be the MVP favorite. That's obviously moved. Um, trying to figure out whether this team is going to be at the end, I think is pretty fascinating because the idea, the assumption that everyone had was, well, look, even if the shooting tails off, their defense is going to get so much better when they get Robert Williams back. And it hasn't, um, it's slowly still improving, but this isn't, this isn't Cavs. This isn't Memphis. It's not even Sixers. Like the Sixers have the best defense of the three. It's Sixers and then Nets and then Boston, if we're ranking the defenses right now. Yeah. And so really all we're looking at here is the offense, which continues to regress because their real players are not going to shoot a billion percent every no. single game, as we've seen over the last 15 games. Like they are are rapidly regressing and to a point where I'm like, do I fade the regression of the of the regression? Do I what how <laughs> do I do I plan for them to regress against the regression because the regression has been too much? I, I'm I'm trying to stay out of that mindset. Yeah. Um, but as we look at offensive rating, you know, right now, Boston, after being at historic levels, is now they're 1.2 ahead of Utah, which is really good. They're 1.4 ahead of, of Denver for number one schedule adjusted. Um, and their strength of schedule offensively is really good. Sick. They face some good defenses. But I do think that there's probably still a little bit more room for Boston to regress. So I don't mind this play. I already bet the Nets. Um, yeah. I have a preseason position on the Sixers and I live bet the Nets. So like really any outcome but Boston is good for me. So of course, Boston will probably stabilize. Uh, Jim, what are your <laughs> thoughts on this? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, to your regressing the regression point, um, I wrote up the Celtics Mavs preview for tonight, which I think is gonna be an awesome game, by the way. But to your point, um, the kind of making the pivot point as that Warriors game before the Warriors game, they're hitting 40% from three easily best in the league. Since then, they've hit 31%, third worst in the league. And to your point, they're neither. They're not the best three-point shooting team in the league. They might be top five, maybe, probably more like top 10, but they're also not the third worst. So my only worry with this bet, I actually think there is some some value to it, but my only worry is that we're not maybe capturing the full value um, just because this is the lowest the market's been on the Celtics in a while. It's the highest the market's been on both the Nets and the Sixers in a while. Um, you know, 
option A is hopping your time machine and, and bet it a month ago. That's since that's not a, uh, an option. I did look at the Celtic schedule. I think it gets a little bit um, easier towards the end of the month. So things can change so fast that maybe you just want to hop on and get this bet, but you might be able to wait till the narrative swing, uh, the narrative winds swing a little bit. Uh, and you're able to, you know, the Celtics kind of catch, you know, they, they, they land on their feet a bit. They rip off a couple of straight wins. You know, we're still, you know, nets are still top in your, in your net rating, but there's maybe even a little more value on the bet because the market stabilized on the Celtics is, is my only thought. Um, but I, I am with you guys on, on this bet having value right now. Uh, two more kind of side bets here. Um, one, you can't at FanDuel just get 57 and a half on the Celtics win total, which that's a lot. It's high. That, that, really that's high. high. Um, I can't bet it. Because I already have under 55, under 54, under 50. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I have under 56 and a half, under 55, under 54, under 53. So I'm pretty good on Boston unders for now. And I'm going to go ahead and wait. I would say if I if I didn't have that that position already, if I wasn't already leveraged against Boston so much, 57 and a half is, again, their Pythagorean number is below that already based off of cleaning the yeah. glasses, point differential versus strength of schedule. Like they're just not projected to get there. So, yeah. and that's even factoring in that heavy uh, performance in the month of November. The other one that you can look at is it's not a fan duel, but if you shop around, you can get this uh, number one seed in the Eastern conference. So that's good. no one from the Southeast division mm. is going to get it. Right. They're all garbage. <laughs> They're all garbage. They're dumb. <laughs> They're done. Cavs and bucks don't seem likely. And they play in, in a really tough. Now the Atlantic's tough too, but they play in a tough division with like Pacers are pesky, Bulls are competitive as we saw last night. Yeah. Um, like a bunch of it's like it's four com- or it's three competitive teams and or I'm sorry, it's four competitive teams and Detroit. Uh, so like that that's part of that as well. And then you got if you're looking for number one in the Eastern Conference, there's a plus two thirty five on the Nets, and the Sixers is a plus twenty five hundred. Whoever wins, oh, I like that Sixers. Yeah, oh, like whoever that Sixers. wins the Atlantic Division is going to get the number one seed in the East. I yeah, think. like that's likely. I think that's likely. Yeah, when I mean, you really if, look if at we, it. If we just if we look at if we get past the standings and we look at point differential, that's kind of what this indicates, right? Because the Bucks are are you could say like, well, the Bucks are second. You know, they're one game behind the Boston Celtics in the loss column, and that's true. It, I just I I kind of wonder if the Bucks are gonna it, again. I wrote this. The Bucks vibes are bad. The Bucks may also just come together, get through the doldrums, and just be like, "Fuck it," and kill everyone <laughs> in the second half of the year. That's what they yeah. did last year. As everyone was like, "Oh, look at all these bad." Like the Bucks might not win the division. The Bulls and the cat, and then the Bucks were just like, "All right, let's try now," and yeah. just slaughtered everyone. I will say that to Jim's point, like, I don't feel like that's the case right now. I feel like this, the Bucks are trying, but the wins yeah. are there. But if we're basing this off of the advanced numbers and what we've seen be more consistent, I think Nets and, and Sixers, number one seed in the East, might be as good of a way to go. If you're going to bet the division, you might as well bet that if we if you don't think that yeah. the Cavs or Bucks can get the number one seed. Yeah, I think for the Sixers, it's particularly good at 25 to one when like the best number I'm seeing in market right now for the Sixers to win the division is somewhere between like 10 and 14 to one. So I think that's that's a great angle on the Sixers. Uh, all right. We're going to wrap up today with Rackham, which is this is where we do the uh, really um, absurdly fun and totally ridiculous 
uh, parlays for the awards over at FanDuel. Now, I do like heavily bet these, and I bet there's even more over the next second, the second half of the season as the awards come into view. Um, it's a great way to get value. Like if you're like, I want to bet on Paolo Bancaro, but it's minus 500. Well, if you put Paolo Bancaro minus 500 with some of these shorter rewards, you're going to increase that value on something that you know is going to happen. Uh, yeah. So, okay, rack them up, rack them up, rack them up, rack them up. Tyrese Alberton, most improved player. Jaron Jackson Jr., who I've talked about on Monday's pod for Defensive Player of the Year. And Paolo Bancaro to win Rookie of the Year. You put those three together, you get a nice 11, plus 11.47. You get over 11 to 1 on this one. So I really like that this one. Um, have Again, Jaron Jackson Jr., the argument's going to be against games played and minutes played because he fouls out a lot and he missed a bun- big chunk of the season. I don't know that games played, it was a factor last year for Bam. But I honestly kind of wonder if more of the thing last year was just the narrative around Marcus Smart. And the narrative is entirely with Jaron Jackson Jr. The Grizzlies were bottom 15 in defense, and then Jaron Jackson shows up, and they're second in defense. His block rate is historically good. Uh, His EPM is well above everybody else on the defensive side. Jaron Jackson has got to be there. We made the case already for Hallow, and you just throw in Paolo, and you get plus 1147. Uh, Joe, you are going with me on this but yeah. you are going in a bit of a longer direction with your third choice yeah so i have the same first two with triple j and hallie and then my last leg is russell westbrook benchbrook to uh win six man of the year at plus 2494 part of why i like this is when i was looking at the six man of the year candidates he just seems like far and away the guy that's like putting up the numbers he's going to continue to put up the numbers he doesn't usually miss a ton of time. The Lakers are not incentivized to tank for any reason. And it looks like they're very committed to keeping him in that six man role. We've seen like, even when they've had injuries, he's still coming off the bench. So I think his numbers are just going to be there. And if, you know, if the, even if the Lakers are like fringe playoff or they make, you know, maybe you're in the play in um, you there on the, it's the Lakers. It's a major media market. It's Russell Westbrook. And if the numbers are there, I think that he's going to be able to stay and have some staying power just from the contributions he has kind of like all over the place, just at least in terms of his stat padding. Did I say padding? (laughs) Rude. Um, (laughs) So he's fourth in bench points per game right now. Yeah. Matherin's still number one. He will not relinquish that lead. He's had it from the beginning of the season. Uh, with 17.8. Christian Wood's now starting, so we can go ahead and remove him from the slate. My big bet, Norman Powell, is now third. Now, Russ is averaging, obviously, the assists are going to be a big thing here. He's averaging eight assists per game. I don't, like, we don't have any history of anything like this, so I just, I have a hard time with, like... It's weird. What, how does it, how do, this has been the the buckets getter forever and ever and ever. Do assists now suddenly count? Yeah, I I think it's, I think it's more that it's, I, I part of why I like this too is like a little bit narrative based because I think he's taken the role on with a certain amount of grace or so to speak. Like, I don't think he's been, he hasn't really been outwardly like objecting to the fact that he's sixth man. People know who he is. He's like triple double guys. One, you know, he's been in, he's got the tree yeah. had like the triple crown. He averaged triple crown for a season. So a triple double rather. So I think it's like one of those, when you look at this and you say like, he took this role and he went with it. And I think that that's something that people like narrative wise works for him that. And I think it's hard with Matherin because he's a rookie and people are going to go like, well, he's not even the best rookie in the class. 
maybe he should be start. And there's obviously like there's questions whether or not he should be starting or not. But um, I know rookies have won. I think it was Ben Gordon won, but I think it's still a little bit tougher for him to win that award. The trade threat here worries me. Yeah, if he gets traded, only two things happen: he starts or he goes home. Yeah, and both of those situations kill you. He's dead at that point. So he's dead. Dead. You got <laughs> to hope nobody's willing to do that deal. Um, yeah. You gotta hope the you gotta hope the Lakers stay competitive. So good luck with that, Joe. Let's, let's <laughs> see how that goes. Uh, Jim, give me a rack em for the week. For sure. Um, you guys, those were you know ten bucks to win two hundred. Those are nice. Mine is a little <laughs> bit longer. Uh, five bucks turned into thirty six thirty six thousand dollars. So much I can't even say on the first attempt. Um, so obviously <laughs> we're dealing with some long shots here. But let me let me walk you through some of the logic on them, and you know maybe you can play them solo as well. Um, I'm going to lead with the sixth May of the year since we were just talking about that. So I've got Malik Beasley um, as the the leading part of of this ticket here. He, uh, there's a few things in his factor. If you go down the list, just one more, he's right there at 14.2 points a game, um, coming off the bench. He's only started five games. There's no worry that he's going to, um, start too many games in the last month. He's over 15 a game. And maybe most importantly, uh, and this is where, you know, we always talk about not who it should be, but you know, who the narrative is Zach Lowe mentioned him as a potential six man of the year on his podcast smart people listen to that podcast smart people love to let you know they listen to that podcast so if, if there's some some narrative swirling there whenever he mentions a name it's always one i jot down because he usually will will say someone at a real long odds and i'm like ah i feel like i could hear a little buzz about in the uh, in the future so um that's the first leg second leg uh another smart basketball mind mentioned this a couple months ago matt moore yours truly uh jared allen defensive player of the year um, one thing I've noticed this year with Cleveland, and I'm sure a lot of people have noticed as well, uh, when Allen is out, Mobley looks a lot more human. Um, and I think the more th- we get in this season, it's really going to show that that Allen is really the, the key to that defense. I think Mobley is one of the most versatile defenders in the league, and you really need the two of them together. But Allen's really the guy who who makes that defense tick. And um, he's got pretty long odds now, right now as well, um, plus 2,300 still. Um, and then finally, the the shortest leg of it, um, I was looking for for Jacques Vaughn, coach of the year. Um, he's another one who's who's getting some a little bit of buzz. He's about plus 300 at some books you can find. Um, but Jokic, Nikola Jokic, MVP, um, it does feel like it's becoming a bit of a two, two-man race. Um, I think we all thought Tatum would drop off. Seems like he has. I think at the end of the year, Denver is going to be a few spots higher than Dallas. It may only be a couple wins, but it might be like a two seed versus a seven seed, something like that. Um, I think he's going to have the numbers to to put right there with Luca, and especially the advanced metrics. He's still outpacing Luca pretty significantly in most of the uh, uh, the truly legitimate um, advanced metrics. I, th- I think by the end of the year, I know we we all thought that three in a row couldn't happen. I definitely haven't had any sort of action on it. I'm getting more and more annoyed by the day when I realize I think it's going to happen. So this is my $36,000 payout. <laughs> if a couple other things happen with it. The, uh, the number on that is uh, $730,000 plus $734,300. So Casual. again, casual. Yeah. The key, the if you're looking at like, all right, why are these bets even being mentioned? If you if you really do think that there's a chance that these guys are going to be in the top three conversation, if you're able to hit two of these, right? Like if we get to the end of the season and Allen has pulled, if like 
Jaron Jackson misses time and the Cavs finish with the number one defense. And everyone's like, you know what? It really is Jared Allen, um, which we've been caving for on this podcast for a while for the last month. Right. And you lock that one in and Jokic has run away with MVP because the Nuggets are the number one seed and he's averaging his insane numbers again. You got these two in. Now you could just be like, I'm just going to bet the, like, I'm going to bet the field on six on six man of the year, one by one on the top, like four candidates and be good here. Um, So there are these kind of opportunities. And as you go along, like, again, they are, they are ridiculous figures. Now they get less ridiculous as the season goes on. Once we lock into like the favorites, you can parlay the favorites together and be in pretty good spots. So that's going to be rack them for this week. Thanks for joining us. Hope you guys had a great week. We're going to be back next week. We'll be back on Monday with Albert Wynn, uh, analytics capper for our weekend recap. And then best bets Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then futures Friday again, next Friday. I'm going to have a great guest for that show as well. Make sure to check out the action network app. My thanks to Jim and Joe for joining us today. My thanks to David, our producer for producing. We'll see you guys again next week. Until then, have a great weekend. And as always, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.